Welcome to a special edition of the Practical Horseman podcast. Usually, every other week, you'll hear one of the editors of Practical Horseman interviewing respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. This week, which is a podcast off week, we're trying something new. We're going to read one of our favorite articles from the magazine. I'm Sandra Olenek, and one reason we're doing this is that it is the first full week of the coronavirus pandemic taking full effect in the United States. A week ago in Maryland, where I live, the governor announced that public schools would be closed for at least two weeks, and since then, restaurants, movie theaters, gyms, and any place where there are large gatherings have been closed. Social distancing is the phrase of the moment. Some of you are working from home for the first time. Others of you still are working, but your schedule has been vastly changed. And others of you may not be able to work at all, which must be extremely stressful. As with just about everything else, our lives with our horses have changed too. Some of you may be able to spend more time at the barn with your horse, while others of you may be facing barn closures and having to spend time away from these wonderful animals who give us so much comfort. Whatever your situation, we hope that listening to some of our favorite stories that have run in the magazine over the years will help. I know for me, thinking about horses, riding, and training always makes me feel happy and peaceful. So today I'm reading an article titled Get in the Zone for Better Jumping by Shelley Camp. I chose this article because reading it brings me back to a time in my riding when I was so happy. Shelly Kampf was my trainer on the East Coast many years ago. Uh, We're still friends, and I consider her to be one of my most influential riding instructors. I say that because when Shelly started teaching at the stable where I rode, I was at a low point in my riding. I really thought that I was not a good rider, largely because I was convinced that I could not see a distance to a fence, or certainly not through an entire course of fences. To make matters worse, I felt like everyone else could, that they were just naturally better than me. As a result, I worked really hard right up to the base of the fence to see my distances and get my horse to jump. Shelly, when she uh, arrived at the stable, um, helped me realize that, in fact, the opposite was true, that I had to do less, that I was not responsible for making my horse jump. Uh, Instead, I needed to allow him to jump. So that is, you know, the reason that I chose this article to read. There was many, many nights uh, in the indoor arena where it was just Shelly and myself and my horse and uh, her trying to teach me the lessons that uh, she shares in the article. To fill you in on Shelly's background, she was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, and rode with Claudia Kojakar, the mother of her husband, Jeff Kampf. Shelly graduated from the University of Calgary with a degree in applied mathematics, and she was going to be an engineer, but the connection with horses just kept pulling her back. Eventually, she and Jeff opened a training facility, Oz Incorporated, just outside Portland, Oregon, where they both teach hunter, jumper, and equitation riders of all levels. They also both ride and compete, Jeff in primarily the jumpers and Shelly in the hunters. And Shelly is also a founding member of the U.S. Hunter Jumper Association, and she has been the chair of the USHJA Trainer Certification Program for several years. A couple more notes before we get to the article reading. In this episode, I read through the entire article first, and then I read the photo captions. I debated how helpful this would be because obviously you can't see the photos as I'm reading, but I think of the captions sort of as like a cliff notes for the article and and kind of a nice little wrap-up review. 
Also, you can read the complete article at practicalhorsemanmag.com. And I also did a podcast interview with Shelly. It's the eighth episode from the beginning of our podcast series. So now let's just jump right into the reading. Get in the zone for better jumping. Learn how to allow your horse to jump without interfering for smoother rounds by Shelly Kampf. Whether riding in hunters, jumpers, or equitation, we all want the perfect round, one that's smooth and seamless and looks effortless. If you watch professional riders, that's often what you see. How do they get such rounds time after time? They allow their horse to jump. As a trainer, I find this is one of the most difficult concepts for less experienced riders to learn, and more importantly, to feel. Instead, they think that they must always do something to make their horse jump. This usually leads to using too much leg, too much hand, or both on the approach to the fence. The reality is, your horse doesn't jump because you make him. He jumps because there's a stationary object in front of him. If he is concentrating on jumping and not what you are telling him to do when he is preparing for his takeoff, he'll jump much better. So remember that you are just a passenger, and the less you interfere with his balance and rhythm, the better he can do his job, which is to jump. Once you can separate out your role as passenger, the pressure of, quote-unquote, seeing a distance will diminish because your jumps will start to be smoother. In time, your confidence will increase, and with that, the subtleties of your riding can begin to evolve. Being a passenger, however, is hard. It's human nature for riders to want to do something to help their horses get to the jump. I can't just say, don't interfere or don't pull on the way to the jump and expect my students to be successful. Instead, I give them tools that allow them to focus on what they should be doing. I tell them, quote unquote, it is easier to concentrate on what you want to do instead of what you don't want to do. At a certain point in front of the jump, what I call, quote-unquote, in the zone, I have them get into their jumping positions and relax on the reins. That's all. They just focus on those two things. At this point, students often ask two questions. What do you mean by in the zone? In the zone is the point where you need to stop influencing your horse and just let him jump. For less experienced riders, In the zone is typically three to five strides in front of the jump where they might start worrying about a distance and consequently interfering. For riders with more experience, in the zone might be just as their horses take off. The concept is the same though. At some point, you have to allow your horse to jump. What if I don't see a distance? When you don't see a distance to a fence, you, like so many riders, might want to make a drastic change to find one. Kick your horse to move up for a long spot or pull to fit in a short one. To make matters worse, this kicking and pulling is often executed at the same time, resulting in a clash of aids. This merely interrupts your horse's concentration and rhythm and takes away from his balance. Good balance makes for a good jump, so you always want to be mindful of your horse's balance. If you have been able to leave your horse alone, he'll most likely jump a nice jump for you. Those drastic chips that come from trying to force him off the ground or long flyers where you are feeling left behind will be replaced with jumps that can work. 
I try to have my riders concentrate on letting their horses stretch if the distance comes up long and to let them wrap around the jump if the distance comes up short. Later, as you gain experience, you can help your horse move up if the distance is a little long or shorten his stride if it's a little short. This is where you can positively influence him and the subtle riding comes in, where you are working toward what I call invisible riding. Before you can do that, though, you need to learn how to not interfere, to actually let him jump on his own without help from you. To help you learn this, I'll share the progressive system I use with my students. First, you'll practice your in-the-zone position on the flat and then over a small pile of poles on the ground. I cannot emphasize enough how much your jumping can be improved by position work on the flat and over poles. So stick with these exercises until you feel confident you can maintain your jumping position no matter what. Next, you'll work on it over single fences, then in a line of two jumps, and finally throughout a course. I teach this approach to my students who are learning to see distances, but I also use it if I'm having trouble seeing a distance myself. I focus on getting into my jumping position several strides in front of the fence and relaxing my hand forward and the problem starts to sort itself out. I also use it to help green horses figure out their own balance and timing to fences instead of relying on me. This brings up an important point. I'm gearing this article toward training the rider, not the horse. Learning to master the skills in following exercises is much easier on a quiet horse than one who makes a bid at the fences. If your horse rushes to poles on the ground or to the fences, enlist the help of a trainer to work with him. You should practice these exercises on a steadier schoolmaster. By improving yourself, you'll be better able to help your own horse. Jumping position defined. The jumping position is critical for success. So first, I'll describe where your position needs to be when you're riding on the flat and then how it changes when you get to riding over jumps. On the flat, your feet are placed in the stirrups, which are perpendicular to your horse's girth. The weight is in your heel, your leg is underneath you at the girth, and your heel, your heels and hips are in line with each other. The strength of your position comes from having your heels down and your feet correctly positioned in the stirrup. At the halt, walk, sitting trot, or canter, your upper body is inclined forward of the vertical just a hair, a degree or two, so you won't be stiff. At the posting trot or gallop, you close your hip angle to say 30 degrees so you can stay with your horse's motion. Your hands are above and in front of his wither, and there is a straight line from the bit to your hand to your elbow. Your eyes are up. As you approach an obstacle and get in the zone, you want to rise into your jumping position. This is known as the half seat. For less experienced riders, the two-point contact is used as an exercise to practice the position for the half seat. In two-point, you raise your buttocks out of the saddle so only your two legs are touching the saddle and you close your hip angle the same amount you would for the up position of the posting trot, about 30 degrees. In the half seat, also known as the jumping seat, the seat is a little lower and provides freedom to your horse but still allows you to maintain security to be able to influence him if needed. Now, let's talk about your hands. 
You need to make sure you have enough position control so that you are independent of your hands. This means you can hold your jumping seat in balance without falling back into the saddle and without balancing on the reins. To help with this, when you get in the jumping position on the approach to a fence, move your hands ahead of the wither, two to three inches ahead of the martingale strap if your horse is wearing one. Developing independent hands can be tricky for green riders. Many slightly hit their horses in their mouths. However, with the split-second timing of the jumps, they are unable to feel this. Thus, they are unaware they are even doing it. To ensure they aren't, I always recommend clutching a little piece of mane. I teach everyone how to hold the mane, no matter how good they are. I've had students, students say to me, I'm really good on the flat, but I'm scared to jump. Sometimes those same riders initially become a little less comfortable on the flat when I have them clutch the mane because they can't rely on holding their horse's mouths for balance. The issue has less to do with the jump and more to do with the security of holding their horse's mouth all the time. Now that you know what it is, you'll practice the jumping position on the flat. By practicing the jumping position combined with the slackening of the reins on the flat, you'll feel how your horse uses what is known as the oscillating gesture or balancing gesture of his head and neck and learn to follow that movement at the walk and canter. When a camel walks, it is easy to see the motion of his neck going forward and back. This oscillating gesture is similar to the gesture a horse uses with his neck at the walk and canter, except that it is a little more exaggerated with the camel. Many riders are told to sit still, but you can't sit still and be with your horse's motion. Instead, you want to sit in a non-interfering way. If you try really hard to sit still, you often become stiff. When you are stiff and you jump, you hit your horse in the mouth. Practicing the jumping position and slackening of the reins on the flat is also a good test to make sure you're comfortable letting go of your horse's mouth. If you're not, then you'll be uncomfortable jumping where you have to let go of his mouth at some point, and that will just take away from your confidence. So on the flat is the best place to really practice. To start, warm up on the flat at the walk and trot, then return to the walk and get up in your jumping position. Raise your buttocks out of the saddle, close your hip angle, move your hands a few inches ahead of the wither, and collect a little piece of mane in your index finger. As you walk around the entire arena, concentrate on holding your position and feeling the oscillating gesture of your horse's head and neck. Ride a few times around the arena or for as long as you can without losing your position. Then return to your full seat. Change direction and repeat. Next, ask your horse to pick up a forward trot and get up into your jumping position. This time, feel how his head and neck don't have the same oscillating gesture at the trot. Hold this position for as long as you can, take a break, then change direction and repeat the exercise. Finally, repeat this exercise at the canter. As at the walk, you'll feel the oscillating gesture of his head and neck. Maintaining a loose rein will be the most difficult at the canter if you are not confident and secure in your position. As you become more comfortable in your jumping position, incorporate small circles into your flat work. When you can do that on the flat, you'll know that you are consistently with his motion. 
Depending on your strength and experience, it can take a few or several sessions, but be patient and stick with it. The more independent you are of your hands, the more confident you will be about jumping. In the zone over single fences. As you work on maintaining your jumping position on the flat, you can begin to practice it over an obstacle. I like to start with three or four poles piled on top of each other on the ground. Two or three poles on the ground with one on top of it. This gives you the feel of a jump, but takes the difficulty out of the equation so you can concentrate on yourself. Set the pile of poles any place where you'll have a fairly long approach of four or five strides. Pick up a posting trot. As you come around the corner and are about five strides in front of the fence, consider yourself to be in the zone and get into your jumping position. Raise your buttocks out of the saddle, close your hip angle, move your hands ahead of your horse's wither a few inches, and collect a little piece of mane in your index fin finger. Focus on maintaining this position all the way to the poles and let your horse take care of himself. After he steps over the poles, go several steps and then ask him to stop on a straight line. Turn around and trot back the other way. Don't worry if he takes an awkward step over the poles. If he trusts you to leave him alone, he'll start to figure out his own balance and what he needs to do to get over the poles comfortably. Horses naturally don't want to step on the poles. Once you're trotting over the poles consistently and feel that you're maintaining your jumping position, pick up a slow canter. Make a circle to establish your pace. Four or five strides in front of the fence get into your jumping position. Again, do not worry about the poles or the distance. Just focus on maintaining your position. After your horse canters the poles, ask him to stop in a straight line. Turn around, pick up the canter on the other lead, and circle if needed. Get into your jumping position and head to the jump, focusing on yourself. Starting out, your horse may do some awkward things. He may break to a trot over the poles, reach for the long distance, or chip in. That's okay. It's why you're practicing over such a small obstacle. Just let whatever happens, happen. If you can stick with it and not be tempted to interfere with your horse's stride by trying to fix the distance, most horses will start to figure out how to adjust their own strides to meet the fences. At this stage, I want this exercise to allow you to focus on yourself. If your horse drifts to one side or the other, use a few guide poles to create a chute leading up to the fence. After you're trotting and cantering over the poles comfortably, and you can maintain your jumping position without interfering, build a little cross rail and repeat the exercise, first trotting over it. Try to carry the non-interfering feeling you had over the poles to the cross rail. Focus on maintaining your position and not pulling back on his mouth or adding leg to fix the distance. Let him figure it out. After he jumps the fence, allow him to canter away, then stop him in a straight line. Once your horse is comfortably trotting the fence and you're focused on your position, pick up the canter and repeat the exercise. This gets harder because the desire to see a distance often increases at the canter. Try to resist it. If you think you're going to arrive at a bad spot, just let it be and focus on yourself. Bad distances happen to everyone, even Olympic riders. How you react to them is what makes the difference in the type of jump you have. 
after you've worked over the cross rail at the trot and canter and feel you can maintain your position no matter what happens, repeat the same exercise over a little vertical. In the zone over a line. Once you're comfortable focusing on your position over single obstacles, which could take anywhere from a few sessions to several weeks depending on your experience level, set a simple line of two small cross rails or verticals, whichever you're most comfortable jumping, 72 feet apart. First, you'll trot into the line over the first jump and canter out over the second jump, then you'll canter both. For a horse with an average length stride or a longish stride, the trot in canter out line will be a nice six strides. When you move to the canter, it will be five strides. At this stage, though the number of strides isn't important, if you have a horse with a shorter stride and he's more comfortable going down the line in seven strides when trotting in and six strides when cantering both, that's okay. Focus on having a tadup, tadup up rhythm down the line rather than counting the number of strides. You want the exercise to be straightforward and easy for your horse so you can concentrate on yourself. To jump the first fence of the line, pick up the posting trot. Trot a circle and when you come out of the corner, get in your jumping position and maintain it all the way to and over the fence. Stay in your jumping position as your horse canters down the line and jumps the second fence. Let your horse figure out the distance, then halt him on a straight line after the jump. Turn around and ride the line, trotting in and cantering out in the opposite direction. When you're both comfortable trotting into the line and cantering out, organize yourself to canter into the line. For this exercise, make a circle before going to the first jump, similar to the courtesy circle you make when jumping a course. Pick up the canter, get into the half seat, and immediately ask your horse to go forward so he's in front of your leg. This is the first time in these exercises you'll be riding a true corner, so I want to explain my approach. I like to tell my students that riding through a corner is like playing an accordion. If you don't pull the accordion together and then let it back out, the accordion can't make any music. If you don't pull your horse's stride together in the corner and then let it back out on a straight line, he won't be balanced enough to get to the jump nicely. Another way to look at it is in nature when horses are in a paddock and they are running around. Every time they turn, they collect their strides for their own natural balance. As a rider, you need to help that along at the end of the ring by making your horse balance up a bit. So as you begin to ride into the corner, pull your horse's stride together. Touch him with your legs to keep him from breaking to the trot, Lower your seat a little, which should help to slow him down. Then squeeze your reins a little to add pressure to his mouth. As you turn onto the straight line to the jump and get in the zone, let it stride out a little by getting in your jumping position and easing your hand forward in front of his wither. Maintain your position as he canters up to and over the fence and then canters down the line to the second fence. After he jumps the second fence, halt him in a straight line. Then make a circle and canter back over the line. Repeat this exercise until you feel confident you won't interfere with your horse's stride to the jumps. In the zone over a course. When you feel comfortable over a single line, you can practice putting all these skills together over a simple course of fences. 
set up a basic figure eight pattern that you'd find in a hunter round, outside line, diagonal line, outside line, diagonal line. Until now, I've had you pull up after each single fence or before the second fence in the line. By doing this, you're effectively reorganizing your horse's stride with each halt. When you're cantering an entire course, every time you hit the corner, you need to be proactive in reorganizing your horse's stride to help him maintain his balance. If you go for too many strides without reorganizing him, pretty soon his stride will get strung out and unbalanced. On a course, think of every corner as a chance to play your accordion and pull your horse's stride together. Once you turn straight to the jump and get in the zone, just let him go like you're playing music. For example, on the courtesy circle, pick up the canter and ask your horse to go forward in front of your leg. As you approach the corner preceding the first fence, pull him together like an accordion, then let him back out when you get on a straight line to the fence. Once in the zone, get in your jumping position. Repeat this organizing process every time you approach a corner until your final courtesy circle. If at any time in this process you find your horse isn't balanced and is chipping in or leaving long, return to an easier variation of the exercise. If you start jumping verticals and can feel yourself getting anxious, return to a cross rail or poles on the ground. The hardest challenge with this system is being patient. Try not to pressure yourself to advance from the pile of poles to a cross rail if you're not totally comfortable letting your horse jump the poles on his own with a loose rein. After learning how to allow your horse to jump, you'll start to recognize when you need to squeeze with your legs a little to move up to a longer distance or squeeze the reins a bit to slow down. These will be soft innuendos of positively influencing your horse, and you'll be on your way to those smooth and seamless rounds. That's the end of the text portion of the article. Now I'll read the captions, which I think give a nice how-to summary of the exercises. Jumping position on the flat. To learn the correct jumping position, you need to understand the correct position on the flat. As I ride the posting trot on legatus, my feet are placed in the stirrups, which are perpendicular to, the, to his girth. The weight is in my heel, my leg is underneath me at the girth, and my heels and hips are in line with each other. My hands are above and in front of his wither. There's a straight line from the bit to my hand to my elbow, and my eyes are up. I maintain this position at the canter so I can continue to stay with Legatus's motion. I work on feeling the oscillating gesture of his head and neck so I can follow his motion with my hands. This helps me be soft, which helps him be soft. Next, I practice getting into the jumping position, also called the half seat, and slackening the reins at the walk, trot, and canter. This seat still provides freedom to my horse but allows me to influence him if needed. I've lifted my buttocks out of the saddle and closed my hip angle to about 30 degrees in front of the vertical. I've moved my hands a few inches ahead of Legatus's wither. Notice the slight loop in the rein, which keeps him soft. On the flat, I teach my students to collect a little piece of mane in their index fingers to ensure that they aren't even slightly hitting their horses in the mouths over the jumps. This can be hard to feel. So many green riders aren't actually even aware they're doing it. 
I want my more experienced writers comfortable with it too, so they can call upon it if they ever feel unbalanced. Jumping position over poles. To practice the feel of not interfering over an obstacle, I set a pile of four poles in the arena. Once I get in the zone on the approach, I get in my jumping position. This time I'm demonstrating two point and move my hands a few inches in front of Legatus's wither. I focus on holding this position all the way to and over the pole. While there could be more loop in my right rein, I still have a soft connection with my horse's mouth. Jumping position over fences. In the same principle of not interfering with my horse's balance and rhythm over the poles applies over fences too. Coming out of the turn to a vertical, I get into a half seat and ease my hands forward so there's a loop in my reins. I focus on maintaining this position all the way to the fence, which lets Legatus figure out his own balance. Over the fence, there's a soft loop in the reins, ensuring that I am not interfering with him. This angle in the photo shows that my seat is not too far out of the saddle over another jump. I stayed in the half seat to the fence, so all I had to do was maintain the jumping position and let Legatus jump up to me. My leg is down and around his sides at the girth and my eyes are up. As Legatus lands and canters away from a fence, I maintain my jumping position and soft contact. By not interfering, I've allowed him to use his head and neck for balance throughout the jump so he can focus on his job. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of the Practical Horseman podcast. Again, I'm Sandra Olenek, and you can find this article with Shelley that I've read on our website at practicalhorsemanmag.com. You can also listen to the podcast interview I did with Shelley wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, as I said, we're, we're trying this out, uh, so let us know how you like this format by rating and reviewing the show. We'd appreciate your feedback. Finally, stay healthy, safe, and sane during these trying times. Take care.